1: First reading today from Paul's letter to the Colossians, the first chapter beginning at verse one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ the Colossians, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also, told you of, who also told us of your love in the spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in his kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his Son, whom he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Let us stand for the Alleluia verse. according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. (music) On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He asked, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all, uh, all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho Jericho, when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went, went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Continue with our hymn, Hymn 649, Blessed be the tie that binds. May God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours today in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for the message comes from our Gospel reading from Luke chapter 10. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, bless us as we gather around your word today. Open our eyes to see our neighbor and give us hearts to love them as you have loved us. And may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our maker, And our Redeemer amen well since I did it a couple weeks ago uh, I'm gonna go ahead and do it again Uh, for people of a certain age I'm not gonna say old okay Uh, we can probably visualize it we can probably even now hear the music as uh, he enters the room and sings it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood a beautiful day for a neighbor would you be mine could you be mine and he finishes off with Please, won't you be my neighbor, yeah. From the location of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, millions of children had heard and took to heart the song of caring for those around them in the neighborhood. In the gospel reading, we hear Jesus at the end. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go, and do likewise. It's our text. You know, there are all kinds of modern modern day examples of this, uh, the Good Samaritan story, right? Uh, This past week, I did a quick search online, Good Samaritan stories, news, that kind of thing, and I came up with, there were a bunch of different headlines that came up, uh, like when uh, young Muslim men in France protected a Catholic church that was being attacked, or you had police and protesters helping each other. Uh, one headline was: a black state trooper who helped an ailing white supremacist protester. Uh, or uh, when a, a black man who had sued for wrongful arrest saves a police officer from a burning car. I mean, it's easy to recognize the elements of that parable that Jesus shared. The reason why Jesus told the parable in the first place, I think, is important. A man, we're told, who is well-versed in Old Testament law, asked Jesus a question. If you you ask a law question, you're gonna get a law answer, right? Uh, The question, actually there are two of them, come from a synagogue lawyer whose job it was to make the Bible, uh, the prescriptions of Scripture, uh, reasonable and doable, right? Uh, So his question is a law question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, isn't that really a, a question that's fundamental to, for many religious questions, right? I mean, what do I have to do to get into heaven? What do I have to do to be saved? What do I, I have to do to get in good graces with God? Now, if we pick apart the question of that lawyer for just a minute, what do you have to do to inherit anything? You do nothing, right? I mean, someone has to die uh, for you to receive an inheritance. But you don't do anything jesus knows he's being put to the test so he answers a question with a question and he says well what's written in the law and by the law he's not necessarily mean just the commandments but really the the books of moses the torah so he's asking well what's moses say what does the uh, what's in the torah how do you read it leaving the question open lawyer responds with the law love the lord your god with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. In the lawyer's mind, that is what he believes one must do to inherit eternal life. Love God and love your neighbor. And that would be correct. I mean, the law promises life, if you can do it. The law promises grace and every blessing to all who keep the commandments, if, if you can keep all the commandments. Do this, you will live, Jesus said, and the opposite is true, isn't it? Don't do this, well, you're dead. But the lawyer isn't satisfied with Jesus' response. He's uncomfortable, maybe something's nagging at him. Maybe it was a a poor man that he passed on the way to the synagogue and he didn't make eye contact, or or maybe it was a grudge that he was holding against his brother for a bad business deal. Love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, the lawyer knew that he loved God, but the neighbor? <laughs> that was another matter, right? I mean, some neighbors aren't that lovable. Uh, uh, that's why we build fences and walls, right? Uh, making for good neighbors. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we see his, his tight little system of, of theology is starting to unravel here. And if he didn't love his neighbor as himself, he had no confidence of his inheritance of eternal life. about you? Do you love your neighbor as much as you love yourself? Of course, that presumes you love yourself. I mean, I'm not not talking about the nice neighbors who bring over cake and and, and cookies over, right? Uh, I'm, I'm, would you really stake your eternal inheritance on your love for your neighbor? As uh, cartoonist Charles Schultz once commented through Charlie Brown, he said, I love humanity, it's people I can't stand. Yeah. I mean, you might be thinking, now oh, wait a minute, Pastor Cope, and I, uh, I'm supposed to love someone who doesn't even give me the time of day? I mean, what kind of rule is that? How about love those who love you, ha- hate those who hate you, ignore the rest? I mean, that's more like it, uh, wouldn't it? Uh, I mean, how, how am I supposed to love my neighbor, and, and actually then what is, uh, what does my neighbor mean anyway? Is it the guy next door? Is it the person down the block, who? And so we see that the lawyer is also having a really tough time with this question from Jesus. And so we're told he seeks to justify himself and ask Jesus a second question. And who is my neighbor? Sort of really a law question, defining who is my neighbor. You see where this law talk goes? This law talk goes to self-justification. Because if you get your neighbor right, you get love right. And if you get love right, you get the prize. So, who's my neighbor? And it's here that Jesus tells the parable. enter the man who fell among thieves. The road between Jerusalem and Jericho, Jericho was a pretty treacherous highway. It was not only packed with pilgrims, but also bustling with thieves. If you traveled alone, you were an easy target. Uh, for the roaming gangs of robbers. And according to Jesus, a man fell among a group of such robbers who stripped the clothes off his back, beat him up, and left him for dead in a ditch. Now it's an interesting side note here that this guy is beaten, bloodied, and naked. So there's no way to discern who he is by sight, all that blood, or by his clothes, they're taken, or by his accent, he's unconscious. There's no way to tell who he is or where he's from and no way to tell whether he's alive as you're walking up. And so it happens that a priest was coming down the road on his way from his tour of duty in Jerusalem. He sees the man lying there motionless and bleeding in the ditch, may have wanted to help, we're not sure, but, but there was a law in the law of Moses. If he touched something dead, he would be declared ceremonially unclean, unfit for priestly service when he got home. And because of that, he would have to go through this lengthy purification process to be clean again uh, and offering expensive sacrifices. A lot of explaining to you probably about why he was unclean. I mean, it'd be like coming into church today uh, and you see someone lying on the side of the road, you glance at your watch, I'm running late to church, If you stop, you're not gonna make it in time. Uh, And if you did, you came in late, maybe you might be disheveled, you might even have some blood on you, uh, and you're worried about what people might say, best just dial 911, right? And, And let someone else help. I mean, that's what the lawyer, that's what the law will do for you. The law says love your neighbor, and what's God do? God tosses out a neighbor, a neighbor who is inconvenient and more difficult to love. So what do you do? The priest passed by on the other side, didn't come near him. He chose the way of cleanliness, of purity. It was safe. The Levite uh, saw the man. Levites were priestly assistants, kind of like elders or deacons, if you will, uh, But the same rule applied to them. He got a little bit closer. Maybe he saw the priest make his detour, and so he did the same thing, choosing the way of cleanness, of purity as well, and safely passing by that man on the other side. Each could argue that they kept the law. They could justify their actions, but they did not love their neighbor as themselves. Then came a Samaritan. The Jews, like the priest and the Levite, really despised their Samaritan neighbors. Samaritans were considered half-breeds and heretics. Uh, They were seen as a a race that was impure, a, a substandard religion and faith. Samaritans didn't worship in Jerusalem. Uh, uh, and, and this man was likely on a business trip, wasn't clergy of any sort that we're told, just an ordinary guy doing his work. And he saw this broken, half-naked, bleeding man in the ditch, and he had compassion on him. He got down into that dirty ditch uh, uh, with him, bandaged up his wounds, put him on his own donkey, took him to an inn in town, and spent the night taking care of him. The next day two silver coins he sent he, he, he left two days worth of wages with the innkeeper and ran a tab for the rest now i'm sure this guy had some explaining to do when he got home right uh, about where he was for all this time why where he had spent that kind of money and then jesus asked the question which of these three men do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers now there are no cameras around, but wouldn't you love to see the lawyer? Because he knows what he has to say, but he can't say the words. It's hard for him to say the Samaritan, right? That's too much to bear. But what he can say, he said, it was the one who showed him mercy, right? And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Now, do you think the lawyer left with any hope of inheriting eternal life? I mean, the same is true for you and me, isn't it? Who is your neighbor? Is it that unruly child up the street? Is it the annoying person who lives next door? Is it the homeless person who who you see always asking for money? Is your neighbor the hungry mother and a child uh, on, on another continent or a victim of war on the other side of the globe? Let's cut a little deeper. Your neighbor is that person who backs a, pol- a different political candidate than you do. Your neighbor is a person who lives in a different area of town. The person who may have a different lifestyle than you. Your neighbor is the person who doesn't look like you or sound like you, the person who is hostile to God or even religion, the person who is opposite to you in in whatever positions you might have, uh, from homosexuality to uh, abortion to gun rights to immigration or any other hot-button topic today. But let's think about what this is not saying. It's not saying that your care for your neighbor, uh, or or, or, let's say it this way, your care for your neighbor doesn't mean you have to approve Of uh, their words or their actions that they speak uh, when they when they live contrary to God's words and desires you may know according to God's word that what they're doing they're wrong but that doesn't mean you cannot care for them your neighbor is anyone in need of mercy anyone whom God places in your path no matter how inconvenient that might be can you go and do likewise and on the basis of that doing, know that you have inherited eternal life? Ask a law question, you get a law answer. Ask Jesus what you must do, and he's gonna tell you what you must do. But come to him empty-handed and in a need, and he freely gives. Because there's good news along that road today, isn't there? The good news, the gospel answer, is that the inheritance of eternal life does not come from what we do. It does not come to us only if we do, if we love God with our whole heart, soul, strength, of mind, and love our neighbors ourselves. Really, our eternal inheritance comes from what's been done. The promise and blessing of eternal life comes only in and through Jesus Christ, the one who became the neighbor to us the one who had compassion on us, the one who, who joined us in, in, in the ditch, right, of death. God and his son became our Samaritan neighbor. Taking on our flesh, Jesus loved God, loved a whole world of neighbors so perfectly and purely that it covers all sins. Jesus pours out that healing balm of, of, of baptism upon you. He binds up your wounds with his wounds. He brings you into the company of a church, really a hospice, if you will, of sinners justified for Jesus' sake. Jesus binds your wounds with his forgiveness. He gives you the bread of his body, the wine of his blood for your nourishment and strength. He pays your debt in full. And with a gift like that, wouldn't we want to thank him? I mean, I'm sure when he finally came to in the end, That man who had fallen among thieves wanted to thank the anonymous Samaritan for his undeserved kindness. I mean, after all, he probably saved his life. But where in Samaria would he go to find him? How could he possibly thank him? Where is Jesus that we might thank him for saving us? Well, take a look at the one in the ditch again, the one who fell among thieves bleeding and naked. Actually, that looks a little familiar, doesn't it? Maybe like someone you know, like the one who was beaten, whipped, pierced and crucified among thieves to save you from your sins, to to save you from the law that condemns you, to save you from death and hell. Where is Jesus that we might thank him for all that he's done for us? He's there in the ditch. He is your neighbor in need, the least, the lowly, the nearly dead, the forsaken, the forgotten. Jesus even told us, for as often as you've done it to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it to me. So let's take the questions and maybe tune them up a little bit. How do I inherit eternal life? The answer is only by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, for Jesus' sake. What must I do as an heir of eternal life? The answer, it's a response. Get down in the ditch, be a neighbor to that broken one who's fallen among thieves. The only one who is free from the law can remotely begin to do the law. Only the Samaritan freed from the law, Uh, unlike the priest and Levite, could do the law. And by the perfect life and death, Jesus has freed you and me from the law right and he has qualified us to be to share in the inheritance of the saints in life and inheritance is a gift it comes through death it comes through the death of Jesus Christ and is received as a gift through faith there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus and in Samaritan freedom we are actually free to be a neighbor aren't we So in the end, the parable is really all about Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the the good Samaritan who comes by uh, to uh, becomes your neighbor in the ditch of your death. Jesus is that neighbor to you in word and in water, in bread and wine, to give to you the inheritance of eternal life. Jesus is also in the ditch, your neighbor in need, that you may serve them in the name of Jesus. In thankfulness for the freedom of his forgiveness, we are set free, my friends, to serve and to be a neighbor. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, isn't it? Jesus has been that neighbor to us. Let us be the neighbor to those in need. Amen. Please stand. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.